I may have overblown this season just a little bit. Let's talk about that. Good morning, Panthers fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Panthers Podcast. I am your host, Wes Taylor, and I am sorry I have missed the last couple of days, but I'm back today. This Daily Panthers Podcast is becoming like a three-day-a-week podcast. I, that doesn't, that's not the name, so I can't do that, but it also doesn't flow as a name either. I don't know. I'm going to keep it up daily, though, but I digress. I've had a couple of days to think about this loss. It is currently Wednesday in the year of our Lord, 2023, September like 13th or so, yeah. And I've had quite a few days to think through that game with the Falcons and what exactly happened and what it meant. And man, it's a hard pill to swallow because I really think we could have beaten them. But with three turnovers, that is just hard to come back from. And then we are going into a game against the New Orleans Saints, where they themselves forced three interceptions. I don't remember if they had any fumbles or not, but they did force at least three turnovers, and the Titans did not score a touchdown against them the whole game. The Titans scored 15 points on five field goals. And at this point, our offense has looked less than stellar, and I am not too confident going in against the Saints. I said we would start this season 2-6. and six, And I had one of those wins as the Falcons. But this is the Carolina Panthers we're talking about, y'all. Come on. We never played the Falcons well. And we sure as heck never played them well in Atlanta. So that is a house of horrors for us in the last like 30 years. I think we've won maybe 10 games in the last 30 years against the Falcons. And playing them literally every single year there. So screw that place. Even in the season that we had 15 wins and only one loss. One loss against the freaking Falcons. So neither here nor there. But I'm not too worried about that. We we got that one out of the way. It's over. It's done with. Bryce got his first two interceptions on bad throws. It was just a misread. He, I mean, if you watch the, the, I don't know what it, would be called, but basically the pocket cam. It's the camera within that shows you kind of the view of the pocket. Obviously, I'm not a NFL quarterback. I never claimed to be. Never claimed to be anywhere near it. But he threw it right to Jesse Bates. I mean, on the first one, it was a good play by Jesse Bates, but still, it was pretty much right to him. And the second one was directly to his chest. It was like he was throwing to Jesse Bates, which he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. I have been knocked down a few pegs at this point, which is a good thing because I was way too high on the Panthers. At one point, I had us going 11 and 6, I think, at some point in the season. My final prediction was 9 and 8, as I thought we would have a winning season based on our schedule. But part of that schedule was the Falcons, and we're playing a lot of Falcons esque teams in the next 10 to 12 weeks. But there are some teams that did not look as good as I thought they would. This is really a worst-case scenario weekend for a Panthers fan. It can't get any worse than this, which is great for us because we only go uphill from here, really. I mean, if you think through everything bad that happened, let's just go ahead and get it out there. We lost, obviously. We committed three turnovers in that loss. We got zero turnovers 
in that loss. And while we were losing to a divisional opponent, which makes it even worse, the two other divisional opponents were winning their game. So not only did we lose, we lost the game in the NFC South already to everyone, and the season just started. So we're 0-1 in the division, and the best we could do with the Falcons at this point is a tie. And then the... uh, (laughs) Sorry, the other rookie quarterbacks, they also lost, which is good. But they looked, or at least their stats looked a little bit better than Bryce. Anthony Richardson was really impressive. But you also have to ask yourself, how long is he going to stay healthy the way that they're using him? Shane Steichen is basically using him as a running back with an arm at this point. They're giving him the Cam Newton treatment. And um, I don't know if it's going to work out for him, but we'll see. Um, And then... On top of all of that, with the loss and the wins by the other opponents, J.C. Horn is hurt again for multiple weeks. That's all we know at this point is multiple weeks. It's a hamstring thing. We don't even know the severity of it. It's not like an Aaron Rodgers situation. I feel bad for him popping his Achilles on Monday Night Football. Four plays into the season. But man, J.C. Horn getting hurt, that is a... That's a heartbreaker. Another few weeks for him. It's official. He's injury prone. And I don't know what we're going to do with his fifth year option. Because next year, it will be his the season that was this year. He's going to start over. Where it's going to be, is he going to stay healthy this year? Is this going to be the season he stays healthy? Is this going to be the season he puts it all together? And the hard part for Panthers fans is that Patrick Sertan and Micah Parsons were drafted like directly after him. And we're the ones who got the injury-prone cornerback. It's so frustrating as Panthers fans. It feels like the world is falling around us at all times. But wait a second. The team that drafted Patrick Sertan, they're like perennial Super Bowl contenders, right? Oh. Oh, they, they gave up like six draft picks for a quarterback who isn't panning out in an offense that can't move the ball, and then they spent... Another two draft picks on a coach? That team that took Patrick Oh, you mean to tell me that there are other NFL teams who have made mistakes in the draft (laughs) or with their draft picks and made bad trades for quarterbacks? No. What? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and the Denver Broncos' record against divisional opponents is much worse than the Panthers. So their path is through Patrick Mahomes, too. And yes, they beat us in the Super Bowl. And they have Super Bowls under their belt. I think they have three. But I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the present. And that's just the case. And then you have someone like the Cowboys who I think are getting a little full of themselves. They're flying a little bit too close to the sun, Icarus style. Where they're going out and getting things that they don't need because they have the ability to do so. When in reality, Micah Parsons is probably about to become the highest paid Defensive player in the NFL. Probably going for, if Nick Bosa went for 35, Michael Parsons probably going for 37. So, and then the team that signed Nick Bosa also gave up three first-round picks for a quarterback and recouped one fourth-rounder, which is about 5% of the value of the three first-round picks. And then they also gave up. This is what the 49ers gave up. They gave up. A second, third, fourth, fifth, and three firsts for 
Christian McCaffrey for a running back. So if you want to talk about bad trades and you want to talk about not getting recouped for things, it's, let's not go down that road. That road will only lead to misery for every fan base. There are so many what-if scenarios for different fan bases. Or let's look at the Jets. They gave up, what, a first, two seconds, and a six, I think? So basically one pick per play from Aaron Rodgers. And you can say, like, well, they didn't know he was going to get injured. That's not their fault. Did you think we knew that J.C. Horn was suddenly going to be injury-prone when he had shown no signs of it at USC? No. And in their case, they bought a 39-year-old used vehicle. If you go to the lot and you get that Honda Civic with 200,000 miles on it, they're like, well, it just broke down last year, but we repaired it. You know, if it breaks down, you're like, well, that's what I get for buying a car with 200,000 miles on it. And I'm a big Honda Civic fan, don't get me wrong. But I'm not going to drop my mouth agape and wonder how the heck it happened. Oh man, the team that fleeced us for Sam Darnold made a bad trade? Yeah, they did. Because everyone does. So let's not sit here and say we gave up a blank and a blank and a blank and a blank and a blank for Bryce Young. Or we gave up a whatever for this cornerback room. Whatever it is. We are not going to sit here and play that game. What if the 49ers drafted Patrick Mahomes? Huh? I don't know. It would be a totally different world. They probably wouldn't be able to afford the guys that they have. Whatever the case may be, if that's the game that you want to play, that's going to be a hard game to play for any franchise. So, let's not play that. Let's just enjoy what we have and just really sit back and think what it could be if it wasn't this. So don't play the what if we did this game or why did we pass on this guy? A bunch of teams pass on Lamar Jackson too. I don't know, man. Stuff happens. Tom Brady, insert name here, whatever. Whoever it may be. If we had a crystal ball, of course we'd pick those guys. But we don't. So get over it, you know? Whatever. Now, J.C. Horn, this is going to be a very transformative time for him. I don't know what he did over the offseason, but whatever it was, it didn't work. It did not work. The first season that we had him, broken foot on game three. The second season we had him, he played most of the games, but then he got started getting injury prone towards the end. And then this time, hurt first game of the season. So there's been two out of his three seasons he's gotten hurt within the first Two games, basically, because in the third game against the Texans, when we started out 3-0, he broke his foot in, like, the first or second quarter. So, all in all, I mean, out of three seasons, he's played probably, like, 16 games, 17 games, out of a possible 49. That's really the concern here. I'm not concerned about draft capital or the what-if game, because that's never going to work in your favor it's always going to be a what if but man if he cannot stay healthy we are in trouble and he's shown to not stay healthy do i wish we would have picked up patrick Sertan? of course of course i do he was an all pro he's been healthy his whole career 
And we've got J.C. Horn, who is probably just as good as Patrick Sertan, potentially better, but we'll never know because he cannot stay on the field. But, I mean, based on what I saw Sunday, cornerbacks really weren't that big of an issue. I mean, yes, we were going against Desmond Ritter, who could not hit the broadside of a barn if you painted it red and put him right next to it. But he did enough. When you have a running game like that, we knew what this was going to be. Come on, I've been telling you all week. Everyone's been telling everyone all week. It doesn't take an expert to realize what this is. The Falcons are going to RTDB, run the dang ball. That's what they're going to do. We've known this. But there were some things in there that were concerning outside of the score. Obviously, the turnovers being the big one. Bryce Young's two picks. Miles Sanders' fumble is much more concerning because he wasn't protecting that ball at all. It was second and like 12, and he picked up eight yards and dove forward like he was on the edge of the end zone. Carrying the ball like an idiot. And Smith Marcel was carrying the ball the same way. Every time I saw him catch a punt, I was like, he's going to fumble this ball. There was one time he did fumble it out of bounds. And then Bryce Young put the ball on the ground. We could have, and we had a turnover on downs. I'm counting that as a turnover. The word turnover, I don't know why that's not counted as a turnover. It's not like in the total, but it is. It literally has a word turnover in the name. Turnover on downs. And then we had two picks and a fumble. And we had two other fumbles that they didn't pick up. Bryce Young fumbled it on a handoff in exchange. I think it was only two. Now I'm doubting myself. Either way, we put the ball on the ground way too many times. And then Smith Marset running a dang backwards punt. And then the guy getting rewarded for nearly breaking his neck. I cannot believe that that happened. And then the blocking out of bounds, it's like any other team would have been called for running out of bounds. But we're the ones who get called for blocking out of bounds. Instead of that guy getting called for running out of bounds under his own power or whatever. It's just, it was a rough, a rough Sunday for me. And the more one-dimensional our offense got, the worse it got. People are talking about Icky, the offensive line, whatever the case may be. I don't think they could have done anything else. Yes, the Falcons started getting pressure towards the end. They knew we were going to pass, and we have we had dropped back probably 45 times at that point. There is no game plan in which we win this season where we drop back 45 times. That is not happening. Our receivers can't get open. That's the main problem with our offense. Our running backs look good. Chuba Hubbard, number one. Number one player for us right now. That is the guy that I feel the most confident about, and oh my God. Can you believe the most successful draft at position was Chuba Hubbard? The most successful pick from the Matt Rule era, was it from Matt Rule? It was from his wife. And Chuba Hubbard has given us more life than any other pick we've made past the first round. So right now, Chuba Hubbard is probably our best running back. Miles Sanders is perennially injured and can't hold on to the ball. And it wasn't just that one. There were a couple others where I was like, is he going to fumble this? The way that he carries the ball, it's just not super secure. Chuba, I was like, he's, yeah, this is solid. He's good. This is, this is good. He's nice. This is a nice return. But Miles, I was like, is he still hurt? 
he doesn't look explosive. He doesn't have that twitch to him, you know? Maybe he's just old. And we paid good money for him, so he's going to play. But I don't know, man. Chuba, Chuba looked just as good. Chuba's just not a threat in the passing game. But I don't, <coughs> excuse me, I don't think that we passed the ball to a running back the whole game. That wasn't named LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca. Hasta LaVisca. And now we play the Saints next, whose defense is very good. Who LaVisca Chenault has their number. I don't know why or how, but he does. Last year, we played them to, I think, a 10-7 win. In the first game, we kind of just dominated them. But we need some turnovers. And we need to stop putting the ball on the ground. We could have easily had five or six turnovers last game against the Falcons. We had four. We had four turnovers, and we're still in the game. We didn't lose. Well, we did lose because of turnovers, but we were still in the game. We still had a chance to win. The problem with turnovers is even if they don't necessarily score, it does kind of limit your wiggle room, your room for error, if you will. And you can't really make any mistakes outside of those because you already made so many mistakes. And giving the ball in the red zone, we did gift them basically 10 points. After the third quarter, it was kind of, you kind of felt it. You're like, "Eh, this is pretty much over. It feels like, it looks like 10, but it feels like 100. And it just, yeah, I'm worried. I'm a little worried about that. Because with those four turnovers, it could have easily been six turnovers. Think about that. Because we had two picks that were pretty easy picks. We had the fumble from Miles Sanders. And then we had the fumbled exchange that could have very easily been a turnover. And then we had the turnover on downs. And then Smith-Marset fumbled the ball out of bounds. So, yeah, the Smith-Marset one, mm, not really that big a deal. But those are the kinds of plays where you're like, he he's showing symptoms. Eventually, it's going to rear its ugly head and it's going to be a real turnover. And I don't want that to be the case. And I think we brought in Tarek Cohen because that was the case. That we did not see what we needed to see out of Smith Marset. And I mean, anytime a returner runs backwards and gets tackled on the one yard line, you gotta have some sort of wherewithal, some sort of awareness to say, Yeah, I'm not gonna run back to the one yard line. Did y'all see Tarek Cohen's wife celebrating on Instagram? She must not know how we treat players, because we be cutting guys left and right for no reason at all. I mean, what happened to Matt Corral? Where is that dude? Has anyone heard from him? What is going on with him? If we ended up trading Andy Dalton to the Jets for Aaron Rodgers, y'all need to find him and make sure that he's okay because he would have missed his big chance to at least be a backup. But I don't see that happening. I don't see us losing Andy Dalton to the Jets. At this point, I think they're going to roll with Zach Wilson. I mean, is there really that big of a difference between Zach Well. Zach Wilson does suck. Andy Dalton is at least serviceable. He did win a few games last year with the Saints. Also a good defense. So, I mean, all in all, just flush this game down the toilet and be done with it. We didn't get any pressure after the first half. I know they said, oh, they were game planning for Brian Burns. That was their game plan. And look what happened. No sacks. No sacks. And nobody wants this to be said out loud but if he can be game planned for that easy i mean it's like they game plan for him and then our whole defense shut down and if you're saying like that's how important brian burns is to us 
sure, but I mean, great players make great plays. And he didn't really make any great plays after the first half. And I got to say, Brian Burns' brother, his whole personality is just being Brian Burns' brother. (laughs) He never tweets about anything else other than his brother. I think that would be a little weird. I have a brother, and if I tweeted about him as much as he does, my brother would be like, stop doing that. It's weird. I wonder what Brian Burns thinks of his brother. I don't know. Hype man Lucci. But I digress. I Fans also overreact too. And at this point, some of it is warranted. Like the whole Scott Fitterer thing of him being possibly an incompetent GM. The verdict is always and always will be out on him until we start winning games. Because we don't know whose fault it is. Even when we win games, will it suddenly be because of Scott Fitterer? You can't say that. You can't say it's not because of Scott Fitterer that we're losing and then turn around and say it's because of him because we're winning. And right now people are calling Chandler Zavala his only good pick after the first round. DJ Johnson didn't even play. And uh, Matt Corral is not on the team anymore. Both guys he traded up for in the third round. What are we doing? I'm kind of on the fence about Scott Fitterer at this point. He's probably got one more year at this point. And if he doesn't make it happen this year, then, well, this year or next year, rather. I don't know what Tepper's going to do. He's kind of a loose cannon at this point. I really like Scott Fitterer, and I like that he makes moves and knows that free agency exists. But, man, it is like, Sometimes having a monkey on the nuclear button with him. You're like, I don't know what crazy stuff he's going to do next. And the fans are always like, oh, cook, bit daddy, cook. Make your move. But then you have to deal with the consequences. There's a reason why fans don't control what the front office does. Because if they did, they'd be trading for everyone. I mean, what is it? Every time a big name player comes up, no matter what his position is, are we going to trade for so-and-so? Are we going to trade for Justin Jefferson? Are we going to trade for Jonathan Taylor? Stephon Diggs? Mike Evans? It's always just, are we going to trade for insert name here? And that's why fans shouldn't run the front office. And it's like, you know, fans are always like, go for it. Go for it. And then they go for it. They don't get it. And they're like, I didn't like the play call. I wanted you to go for it, but I didn't like the play call. Or if they went for it, or they kick the field goal, they're like, we should have gone for it. Or if they go for it and don't get it, and you do like the play goal, ah, we should have kicked the field goal. Fans get the luxury of saying they would have done what was right in the moment. It's the same thing with the draft. Oh, we should have picked Michael Parsons. Oh, we should have passed the ball. Oh, we should have done an option play. Whatever. We should have, could have, would have, should have done this, whatever. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. We should have, but we didn't. And if we would have gotten it or if it would have worked out, then you wouldn't have said that. How many times do we get the first down and or draft a good player and people are like, well, we should have taken this guy. We should have run this play. Never. It's a results-based business. It is a results-based business, period. At the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. So whatever that method is, whatever the way that it is, that's what is going to get questioned. 
And that's the hardest part, too, for this coaching staff and this team, really, is that fans, we get the benefit of looking back and saying, we should have, we could have, I would have. No, I want you all to make your predictions beforehand from now on and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we should do. And if the Panthers don't do that and it works out, you say, I'm stupid. I was wrong. I won't say anything else. Because there are too many fans running around with their knowledge that they have, that they feel like they are NFL head coaches when they're really not. So, all in all, I'm disappointed, of course. I wanted us to win. I thought we were going to win. I predicted a win. I think I said 24-20 us. When in reality, it probably should have been 24-20 them. We only scored one touchdown in 60 minutes. We've put the ball on the ground way too many times. But Chuba Hubbard looked good. The protection held up. Looked good. Our receivers are trash. But the defense looked pretty good. we got to make some adjustments. But losing J.C. Horn doesn't help, of course. And as soon as C.J. Henderson got in, they picked on him. And I don't think that was the offensive. I mean, I don't think that was a defensive pass interference. If anything, it was offensive. He's really literally running out of the field. Kyle Pitts pushes him out of the way and then goes to catch the ball and they call pass interference on him. What? And then they called, I think, two separate offensive pass interferences on us. I freaking hate playing in Atlanta. It's like that every time we play there. It is ridiculous. It's so stupid. Tell me how we beat everybody else, but we can't beat Atlanta in Atlanta. Oh, miss me with that. Shut up. That's ridiculous. It's like last year when uh, DJ Moore took his helmet off on the sideline and they called us for a penalty. Shut up. Shut up, Falcons, Atlanta. I hate y'all. Y'all are so annoying. Whatever, the dirty birds. God, we lose to them every single year. But thanks so much for listening. I hope y'all have a good rest of your day. I will see you tomorrow. Peace.